You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including our Commodore class. That's Commodore's Obvious, Bloodgroove, Torso and Pinches, Ironside, M.D., Jacob, Griffin, Scuttlebutt, Matt, Roger the Jolly, Hartman, Gingrich, Lisa, Clan Roland, Bigbeard, Willie P., Schmarls, Buggy the Clown, Leslie the Spice Chonger, The Admiral Benbow, Misfit, Chairboat, Cannon Monkey, Axios, Gunsway Sally, Pitlock, The Sextant, Jack of the South Seas, Lost Again, The Navigator, Governor Roop, Gin-Soaked Jim, Workman, Rum Runner, Skipper, Sawbones, Scarlet Dawn, Hefe, Bull, Vertigon, Rumgut, and Bootstraps Bailey. And I'd like to welcome our newest patrons, Stephen, Jake, Xavier, Joshua, Mike, and our two newest Commodores, Madame Anita and Artemis Killmeister. Hello. Welcome to the Pirate History Podcast. My name is Matt. Thank you for listening. It's been a little while since we've caught up with Captain Kidd and the pirate hunting crew of the Adventure Galley. Our timeline has also been a bit weird, and it's relevant, so I'd like to clear that up. We'll start in the autumn of 1695, when Henry Avery, Thomas II, and their fleet of pirates attacked the Fatah Muhammad and the Ganji Sawai. Immediately following those two raids, the English East India Company factory in Bombay was attacked by angry Mughal subjects. Sir John Gayer was the royally appointed colonial governor of Bombay, but he was also the general of the East India Company, the commander-in-chief in India, arguably a more powerful position than a colonial governor. Gayer was among those Englishmen who was very nearly lynched, by that angry mob. But they were rescued by the Grand Mughal, Aurangzeb. Aurangzeb sent soldiers to break up his rioting subjects, but they did put the factory under what was essentially a siege. John Gayer had to negotiate carefully to come to a settlement, an agreement that would allow them to continue doing business. The most basic tenant of that settlement was that the East India Company would henceforth have to protect Muslim pilgrim ships on their way to Mocha. From any enemies, but especially 
from pirates. If they were able to do so, they could keep doing business. If not, they would have to revisit the terms. Then, in 1696, a bunch of stuff happened, basically everything we've talked about for the past several episodes. That's when Dirk Chivers and John Hoare unsuccessfully ransomed a pair of ships off the coast of Aden. That's when the pirates from that prison in Bombay all escaped and seized their respective ships, culminating in the capture of the Mocha frigate. Now, this event freaked out everyone in the English-speaking world, especially in India. That's when Sir John Gayer wrote, quote, God preserve innocent men from their villainous and bloody hands. Considering the company's deal with Aurangzeb, it was a troubling series of events. Meanwhile, back in England, in part to hopefully deal with some of this bad press, the court finally put six of Henry Every's pirates on trial. Of course, we all know that story. Five of those pirates were hanged, which was good, but... Relations between Aurangzeb and the East India Company were still as tense as ever. As 1696 turns into 1697, a probably well-meaning pirate hunter named Captain William Kidd arrived in the Indian Ocean. You'll remember he had to take a wide berth around the Cape of Good Hope because of a run-in he'd had with a Royal Navy captain in the Atlantic. Now, when Kidd arrived at Madagascar, there were no pirates to be found, which is... Well, you know, I know, more or less, where most of the pirates were in the spring of 1697, but I want to keep those cards close to my chest, because Captain Kidd doesn't know where they are. It'll make for some fun dramatic reveals. At the nearby island of Johanna, Captain Kidd ran into yet more trouble. This time it was an East India Company captain who had been in convoy with that Royal Navy captain from the Atlantic. But eventually, Captain Kidd made it to the Gulf of Aden, to the Bab el-Mandeb, the strait that leads into the Red Sea. And he arrived just in time to sneak in to the port at Mocha and really freak out the Mughal fleet that was waiting to set sail there. They presumed that Captain Kidd, who was clearly not a member of the East India Company, they thought he was a pirate. When the Mughal fleet finally did decide to set sail, in company with several East India Company ships, Captain Kidd just kind of sauntered up. You know, just, hey guys, what's going on? The flagship of those East India Company vessels, the Scepter, immediately moved in to attack Captain Kidd. That's when Kidd kind of dodged around all of the other ships, but eventually he was fired upon by two Mughal vessels. And then, then Captain Kidd fired on those Mughal ships. And that's about as boneheaded a move as you can imagine here. You know, maybe not as bad as firing upon the English, which Captain Kidd did not, but the safety of those Mughal ships was integral to the deal between the Grand Mughal and the East India Company. For an Englishman, any Englishman, even one carrying a commission from King William III of England, that act was enough to convince every English person in the Indian Ocean that Captain Kidd was, in fact, a pirate. This is episode 260, Trepanned to be a Pirate. At this point, they set sail across the Indian Ocean right toward India. Near the coast of India, Captain Kidd met with that independent merchant ship, the Mary, about two days out of Bombay. 
That was the ship under a Captain Thomas Parker that the men of Adventure Galley sort of accidentally robbed. While Captains Kidd and Parker got drunk down in the captain's cabin, the men of the Adventure Galley ransacked the Mary, beat the Portuguese priests on board with the flats of their swords, and drank up all their booze. When they returned to the Adventure Galley bragging about their take and hauling it all on board, Captain Kidd heard the ruckus, went up on deck, and made them give it back. And that, more or less, is where we left it. Captain Kidd took Captain Parker on board the Adventure Galley to serve as their pilot. They also took one of the Portuguese priests on board. He was fluent in English and all of the necessary regional Indian dialects. But Captain Parker, pilot, Parker now, he was a good choice to be pilot. He knew the coasts of India and knew his way to Aachen. I'd like to thank Eric for correcting my pronunciation there. I think I called it Aachen, and it's Aachen. But it was a singularly important trading post in the region. The question is, though, was Thomas Parker a willing pilot, or was he kidnapped? Either way, now that Parker and that unnamed Portuguese priest were on board the adventure galley, the Mary sailed on to her intended destination in Bombay. The priests immediately went ashore to complain about Captain William Kidd and his privacy. And as far as I can tell, this is the first official word that the company had received about the adventure galley. Captain Kidd had had a few run-ins with their captains thus far, but I don't think that any of them had made their way back to Bombay or to any East India Company port. Assuming that no one had gotten a message back to Bombay, this is the first time that John Gayer learned about Captain Kidd. And considering his reaction, it's probably for the best that the Adventure Galley did not stop in Bombay. On 3rd September 1697, the Adventure Galley put in a bit to the south at a remote East India Company outpost called Karawar. Probably it was Captain Parker's idea. They needed somewhere to collect wood and water and probably food, and they didn't have a lot of options. When they arrived, the crew of the Adventure Galley was on the verge of a revolt. The only thing that was really keeping the crew in line was the factional division between the men. About half the crew was waiting, looking for the opportunity to turn pirate hoping that Captain Kidd would admit defeat and go rogue, or planning to take the ship from him. But there was a slightly smaller faction that was equally as unhappy because they were convinced that Kidd was going to turn pirate any day. These were the honest men on board. But these were merely symptoms of a larger problem. Those men who were just waiting to turn pirate would have been sated, and those men who were fearing Captain Kidd was about to turn pirate would have had their fears alleviated had they found any prey whatsoever. Pirates or French or anyone they could take some cargo from, that was the point of the voyage, that was how they were going to get paid, and thus far it had been months and nothing. Richard Zacks characterizes the crew of the Adventure Galley as galley slaves to Captain Kidd. He sent a carefully selected group of men ashore to inquire after wood and water at Karawar, and to, you know, announce their presence here in India. This was a group of loyal, respectable men, 
You know, you can't send your scallywags ashore, but sending those men away must have been nerve-wracking. When the balance of power already favors those who are waiting to turn pirate, sending a delegation of loyal men ashore just tips that balance further. Captain Kidd was no fool, though. He'd been mutinied against once before when he went ashore, and it looked like he had no intention of leaving the deck of Adventure Galley. The two East India Company agents there in Karawar, named Thomas Pattle and John Harvey, well, they were concerned when this strange ship arrived in their harbor. That delegation did what they could to alleviate their fears. They informed the East India Company men of Captain Kidd's mission in the Indian Ocean and his commission from the king. And, you know, that might have been enough, probably not, but maybe if not for a strange twist of fate. One of their employees, not an East India Company man, but a naval contractor working for them, actually knew Captain Kidd. That captain's name was William Mason. Now this can get confusing. This William Mason should not be confused with the crewman from the Fancy under Henry Every. Nor should he be confused with Captain William May, who sailed with Every, alias Captain Mays or Captain Mason. But this William Mason very often is confused with Captain May. Robert C. Ritchie, in his book Captain Kidd and the War Against the Pirates, tells us that this William Mason was the same man who sailed out of New York on board the pirate ship Jacob, with a commission from then-Governor Jacob Leisler. That was the voyage on which Robert Culliford was arrested back in 1693. And you see, I'm not exactly sure that Robert Ritchie is wrong about that. See, that Captain Mason, Captain of the Jacob, is often assumed to have been the same man who sailed with Henry Every in 1695. That's the story that I told you, based on a variety of well-researched sources, and I stand by that. But this Captain Mason, in the employ of the East India Company here in 1697, he had formerly served on board the Blessed William. He was one of the men that had taken part in that mutiny against Captain Kidd back in 1688. The question is, which Captain William Mason commanded the Jacob? This guy from the Blessed William, now in India, or the guy who was about to sail with Captain Henry Every? It's a question I can't answer. You know, I've got a dozen different books on this era of piracy, and they all tell a different story, or rather they tell two distinct versions of this story. In the end, they could not all have been the same Captain William Mason. Otherwise, those East India Company men would have arrested this guy for, you know, piracy. But what matters here and now is this Captain William Mason's opinion of Captain William Kidd. And it was not favorable. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Some of us love history. Others used to or never did because history was presented as nothing but the rote memorization of names, dates, and facts. Basically, the story got left out, and that made history kind of suck. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a university professor with a PhD in history, and bringing history to life is my passion. That's why I created my podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. I want to teach you everything you need to know about U.S. history, but I do so through stories. Let me tell you about George Washington begging his men not to mutiny against Congress. Clara Barton saving Union soldiers amid enemy fire. Enslaved Frederick Douglass risking his life for liberty. And about so many other figures as their real experiences make industrialization, social movements, and even congressional debates and tax policy come to life. Subscribe to History That Doesn't Suck today. And join me, Professor Greg Jackson, every other week for a new episode. Where I'd like to tell you a story. Those two East India Company agents sent Captain Mason and another mercenary naval captain named Captain Charles Parham out to the adventure galley. When Captain Mason climbed aboard, he expected to find Captain William Kidd, who he knew, but he did not expect to see so many other men he knew. Others who had taken part in the mutiny alongside himself against their former captain. Take the gunner. John Brown, and some of his compatriots. They'd all been on board the Blessed William as well, and since that time they were known to be pirates. And here they were, on board a pirate hunter, ostensibly. Something, something was rotten on board this ship. Captain Mason could feel it. Now, Captain Mason's mission is often characterized as being sent to spy. But I don't think that's accurate. I mean, it's not like it was a secret why he was sent out to the adventure galley. Captain Kidd knew him. Captain Kidd knew he was working for the East India Company. So Captain Kidd did not let him roam around the ship. He met him at the rail. Now, they chatted amicably enough, but they were not allowed to poke their noses anywhere Captain Kidd did not want them to. Nonetheless, Captain Parham managed to clandestinely question a few of the crew members. And here is at least the second time that some of Captain Kidd's crew had allegedly volunteered the information that they were planning to turn pirate. That's twice that some of the men on board Adventure Galley, according to men in the employ of the East India Company, just told them. That they were, you know, hey, I'm looking to turn pirate. Got any leads? I'm not buying it. But that doesn't mean that it was not the case. Finally, those two captains returned to the factory and reported to their bosses. 
Now, Mason told them all about Captain Kidd. He told them that he was a privateer who did indeed have what looked to be an actual commission from the king. But he also told him that Captain Kidd was a known rogue, and that his crew was filled with known and notorious pirates. Pirates that Captain Mason knew because he had taken part in a mutiny with them against Captain Kidd because Captain Kidd would not turn pirate. There's, at least it feels, as though there's a good bit of dishonesty in Captain Mason's report, or maybe just withholding some of the relevant information from his bosses. In the end, though, Mason did do a lot of damage to Captain Kidd. The two company agents... Thomas Pattle and John Harvey, they pinned a letter to Sir John Gayer in Bombay. And it's worth reading here, since this letter is really going to forge Gayer's opinion about Captain Kidd. It reads, in part, quote, These are all to acquaint your excellency of 3rd September came into the cove Captain Kidd in the adventure galley. He has on board 140 men and 36 guns, he saith he hath been at Mohia, Madagascar, and other places to look for pirates, but yet hath not met with any, and now is come to this coast for the same purpose. We understand he hath been at Mocha. He says he thought to meet with pirates there, but we are inclined to believe, had it not been for the convoy ships, he would have made no scruple of taking two or three Surat men. He makes many protestations that he will not injure any one but those he has a commission from the King of England, but notwithstanding his fair pretenses, we much doubt his designs are as honest as they should be. End quote. It was at this point that Benjamin Franks, the jeweler from New York, requested permission to leave the crew. Franks had had a tough voyage so far. He'd taken sick some months back and really never properly recovered. When he begged Captain Kidd for permission to leave, he pleaded his illness, but also a desire to set up a business in India, and he thought that Karawar seemed like a decent destination. Kidd, though, refused to let him go. Until, that is, Franks offered his captain a beaver skin hat. Now, beaver skin hats, to be fair, were kind of the height of rugged, rustic fashion in Europe. For men's fashion, that kind of frontier wear, something so recognizably American, was a little bit dashing, a little bit dangerous. So it was a good gift, and Captain Kidd accepted. But I'm liking Captain Kidd less and less, everything I hear about him. He's just such a... I mean... If they were operating under the Buccaneer Code, they were supposed to be. Captain Kidd did not have the authority to keep Benjamin Franks on board, but he did so nonetheless, until Benjamin Franks bribed him. With his permission to go ashore, Captain Kidd chose nine men to ferry Benjamin Franks and his cargo to shore, all of whom Kidd thought to be loyal, trustworthy men. But as soon as they arrived at the docks at Karawar, all nine men deserted. Several of them just ran off. We'll never hear from them again. But two applied for asylum at the factory. They begged leave to stay at Karawar and for protection from Captain Kidd. And they were very, very much welcomed in. Benjamin Franks said that he had been, quote, trepanned 
to be a pirate. Now, I wasn't familiar with the word trepanned. I assumed it meant trapped, and it kind of does. More specifically, it means to be kind of lured in by a wily and deceitful hunter. Now, these men were not treated particularly well by the East India Company agents. They were arrested and held in captivity. But even that, as far as these men were concerned, was better than the adventure galley. And now I think you can kind of see why we've been keeping tabs on Benjamin Franks. I mean, he's an interesting case nonetheless. A black sheep of a wealthy Jewish jeweler family from New York does not typically sail off with pirates. But I've tried to mention every time that something important has happened, where Benjamin Franks was, what he's up to, when he got sick, etc. That's because he's going to give a full account of his time on the adventure galley. It's an excellent source, and one for which I've been thankful, but now... Well, now Benjamin Franks is no longer on board. But now that those two agents from the company had these men in custody and heard their brief account of what was going on on board the ship, they added a postscript to their letter to John Gare. It reads, quote, Since we wrote is come to the factory two of Kidd's men, who informs us they have taken an English vessel off of Bombay, and they have got the commander aboard a prisoner. They're talking about Captain Parker of the Mary here. They go on, quote, they took out of her 100 pieces of gold and some rice and raisins. Their going to Mocha was with full intent to take the Surat ships, had not the convoy prevented them. And they conclude they intended to take Abdul Ghafir's ship in the cove and watch for her as she goes out. End quote. That last bit, that's what these men were really afraid of. You remember... Abdul al-Ghafir, right? He's that Mughal merchant who... You know, he's a merchant isn't the right term. He was a captain of industry, kind of like a Rockefeller. A Mughal mogul, if you will. He owned and operated a shipping empire in the Indian Ocean, including a little ship called the Fatah Muhammad. He had a ship on the way to Karawar, and these two East India Company men were terrified that Captain Kidd planned to capture her. That would mean an end to the agreement between Aurangzeb and the company. That would mean war. They sent that letter off as quickly as possible, but Captain William Mason had his own addendum to put in the envelope. He penned a short note informing Sir John Gayer that the men on board the adventure galley begged him to overthrow Captain Kidd. They said they would follow him as long as he took them out on the account. But, you know, I don't do that kind of thing anymore, he said. William Mason wrote, quote, Kidd carries a very different command from what other pirates used to do. His commission, having heretofore procured great respect and awe, and this being added to his own strength, being a very lusty man, fighting with his men on any little occasion, often calling for his pistols and threatening anyone that durst speak of anything contrary to his mind to knock out their brains, causing them to dread him and are very desirous to put off his yoke. He's saying here that Captain Kidd was a violent tyrant on board the adventure galley, and he makes the distinction that this is different from how pirates used to act. 
and it's different we know from how pirates are going to act in the future. If Captain Kidd is to be considered a pirate, he's among a tiny minority of captains that ruled their ships with violence and fear. You know, Francois Lolonnet, Jean Fantin, Ned Lowe, maybe. Just a handful acted like that. Including Captain Kidd. And this is not the last we will hear of his violence toward his own crew. Captain Kidd, though, did not stay long in Karawar. The men from the East India Company, they said, did not molest him for fear of inciting him to mischief. Probably a smart move. They didn't really have the strength to fight him off. But that means that when Kidd wanted to leave, he was free to do so, and after only a couple of days, he did. Rather abruptly, one morning, he weighed anchor and departed. And we don't actually know why he chose to do so. He may have been worried that more of his men might choose to abandon ship. He may have been worried that the company had plans to capture him, to trap him there in Karawar. Or maybe he was hunting. Maybe he'd had word of that Moorish vessel belonging to Abdul al-Ghafir. Maybe to keep his men from jumping ship or turning on him, he thought that that ship would be the perfect prize. Next time, Captain Kidd will indeed meet up with a very, very impressive ship out on the open ocean. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd like to thank everybody who has helped to support the show. All of our patrons on Patreon, everybody who has left us ratings or reviews, and everybody who has recommended this show. You all make it possible. Thank you. The Pirate History Podcast is a member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out some of their other fine shows like Ben Franklin's World, you can do so at airwavemedia.com. Our theme music was, as always, The Old Captain by the fantastic band Brillig. You can find them at brillig.com.au. That's B-R-I-L-L-I-G.com.au. After you're done over there, why not check out our website at piratehistorypodcast.com. As always, most importantly, thank you for listening. Tonight